United States, 4-5% of the world's population still uses 25% of the world's resources. You outsource production to China and then you say China is the carbon polluter. China's producing your buckets. China's producing your nuts and bolts. China's producing your phones. Try to produce it in your own countries and see your carbon emissions rise. You love lecturing us because you have a colonial mentality. Then there are colonial structures and institutions you lend us money and every time you lend us money, which is our money, which is our money, every time the International Monetary Fund comes to our societies and they tell us, here's the money we are giving you. We are giving you. No, it's our money. You give us our money back as debt and then you lecture us about how we should live. It's extraordinary. It's not just a colonial mentality. It's the colonial structures and institutions which reproduce themselves year after year after year. And let me tell you something. The climate justice movement, not clued enough on this. Not clued enough on this. The climate justice movement is a movement that says we're worried about our future. What future? What future? Children in the African continent, in Asia, in Latin America, they don't have a future. They don't have a present they're not worried about the future. They're worried about their present. Your slogan is, we're worried about the future. What future? That's a middle-class bourgeois Western slogan. You've got to be worried about now. 2.7 billion people can't eat now. And you're telling people, reduce your consumption. How does this sound to a child who hasn't eaten in days? You've got a clue into this, guys. You've got a clue into this. Otherwise... This movement will have no legs in the third world. No legs. Later, I'd like to tell you about the International People's Assembly, a network of 200 political organizations that we're setting up rooted in the global south. We want to tell you what our issues are. But are you willing to listen? Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, February 5th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be in a much shorter show than usual today. We're going to focus on one point in particular, and I'll tell you why right out of the gate. There's some, I think we all sense, and we've been talking about it on this show. We've been discussing what's been going on, the, the fortified, you know, what we discussed Jordan Peterson's point in a clip from Joe Rogan from before discussing a sort of planned rollback, a, a fortified retreat in, in the midst of a failing, uh, failing agenda, which is what we see happening right now. And there's a lot happening, a lot of changing narratives, a lot of just confusing things happening that make no sense whatsoever. Whether it's all connected or not is, is, is for you to decide for yourself. But what we can clearly see is that this is, is rolling back. In a lot of obvious ways, while simultaneously going forward in a lot of ways, too, which is what my main point was. But there's something strange happening right now, and I'm not quite sure exactly what's happening. And so I'm not my point being is, as I go through today and I've got just all this information laid out, I've got all sorts of windows open and everything to look at. And there's something that's just not sitting with me. And I was this close to just going, you know what, I'm not going to do a show today. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to reflect on what's happening. And there were some points that I still nonetheless felt were important to, to bring to you today. 
But there's something like that, that there's something about all this that's just not sitting well with me. And I think we all sense it. There's something strange happening and not just what we can see. I feel like there's a lot of moves happening right now that, that are being covered up by, for instance, not even necessarily something that's not important or shouldn't be pointed at. But I was, I was, just, I was talking with Brian Young from High Impact Flicks. We're going to be connecting on Monday, I believe, on his show. And we were talking about the Joe Rogan discussion and the, and the, the 70 shows that apparently just got removed from Spotify. And I hadn't heard about that yet. I was focusing on other things and I looked it up and I said, sure enough. And I was thinking about showing it today. I just thought to myself, okay, why is this such this, this conversation? And you know, my thoughts on it from before it's taking all the oxygen out of the room. People that don't know what we're talking about, people that don't know the really deep ins and outs of what's really happening today in regard to the pandemic, in regard to vaccines in general, whatever else we're talking about, they don't, they don't know all the stuff that we're presenting. So to them, what's happening with Joe Rogan is the epitome of everything. That, that is the entire conversation being decided in front of everybody, the court of public opinion between Joe Rogan and whatever they're framing him against. Now, we all know that's not really what's happening. We all know that's not the entire conversation. That's what they want it reduced down to. That is your left-right paradigm, childishly reduced conversation. Now, it's important that he's being censored, despite the fact that he chose to go to Spotify for lots of money and then sort of a reap what you sow position, is it not? But at the same time, censorship is obviously wrong, and I don't believe Joe Rogan deserves to be censored for whatever regardless of whether he used the N-word in previous shows that you didn't, whatever. the You could also point out, first of all, that if they put those plat, those shows up on their platform, was it not their responsibility to make sure that wasn't in the content they allowed? So are we supposed to then stand back and go, they, they just do this without actually looking at that content? You know, whatever. See, obviously I could talk about this and we could dive into it. But the real point is that this is taking away from so many other important things. Not that it doesn't shouldn't be pointed out and discussed for a short period of time. It's because censorship is bad and because, you know, all the things you could pull from this. My point overall is that there's something weird happening with the way that they're couching these conversations, the way that a lot of these larger people in the quasi-independent media as well as the mainstream seem to sort of be scooching over to these points and grabbing them a little bit and using them as their own. And this is what I was screaming about when people were trying to pretend that all I cared about was getting credit for things we discussed, that this is what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, we then start, okay, well, maybe Tucker is on our side. Maybe, maybe this is part of it. And all of a sudden, we get pulled back into this where we get comfortable in a situation where we think it all happened, or at least we did something, and we did do a lot, but it's not over. It's sort of like when Trump got elected, and all the people that supported Trump thought, we did it. That's it. We won, didn't we? Well, even if you actually did win something or succeed at something, or he was actually on your side, here we are. We can't think like that. We can't frame it like that. Anyway, the bottom line here, guys, guys, is to be show more skepticism than ever right now, because very clearly they are co-opting what's happening right now and adapting it to what they want to achieve. And it's not stopping in any discernible way other than what they're telling you is happening, giving you pieces of the narrative when really they're leaving out 99% of the entire truth by going, cloth masks don't work, but all the rest do. And we should know by now that that's not the picture not even a fraction of it. So let's get into what I think is important today. Wanted to express that just to start out today so you know what's on my mind, but I want to start off with some important, well, before we get into this, the main point today is really going to be about Austria and how their constitutional court in one of the most aggressive places around mandatory vaccination is now standing up and saying, you're all liars. We know you're lying. We have all the information and we're going to run down these questions and put them to you that you're going to have to answer to. But I bet you they don't. 
even though they're legally required to, I bet they don't, just like every, everywhere else, like our government of the United States, rampantly lawless. They like to point to the law. They love to wave it in front of your face. The moment that it's not advantageous for them, it's the last thing they abide, abide by. Austria is a really important location about showing you how this is all breaking down. And maybe that is a valid, maybe that is really what's happening. I mean, I see my point is that I'm really concerned that a lot of these things are not exactly what they look like. Nonetheless, it's a positive to point out why that's happening and how they're pushing back. We'll talk about the injection itself and what's really happening in specific categories, as we tend to do, the damage happening right now that's being covered up and ignored, and finish with the climate lockdown, which is happening. Not technically locking down just yet, but as we predicted and as we told you would happen, People like Greta Thunberg, exactly like what happened last time. The next last time they needed a little push to connect the two, she was also the one that spoke up, telling you there's no longer any room for. That's not what she said. I tried to make that work, but she said something like, "Ultimately, that there is no you, there, no longer can we look at pandemics and climate as two separate things." Almost like we didn't see that coming, but. We'll get into it, and it will be a shorter one, except despite me talking so much in the beginning here, because there's only a few topics to get into. So make sure you stay tuned to the end nonetheless, because as always, everything in here will be important for you to break down, understand, research, share for others. Now, before we get into all the rest of it, there's two great articles that I wanted people to check out that I think are really important that Robert worked on over the last couple of days. Biden's, and this, this, this is important in regard to the ISIS leader assassination. It's entitled Biden's ISIS leader assassination theater hides the real threat protected by the U.S. government. This is such an important article, in my opinion, because ultimately what we're seeing here, if, if even I mean, look, I'll even go as far as to say, I mean, I question whether that even happened. Not because I mean, look, I'm sure you could find out there was a person there that actually did blow himself up or there was a body or whatever else. At this point, I don't know why we take anything at face value from them, which is why I said that. Ultimately, it does appear that there was somebody that blew himself up and that did happen. But was this what it appeared to be? Was al-Baghdadi's assassination what it appeared to be? Was he even alive when that actually happened during Trump's administration? Was he alive the time before that or the one before that or the other times they claimed to have assassinated him? The point is here, when you dig into this article, you will find out that the reality of the situation is much more complex. Interestingly, you won't be surprised to find out now that it's been so far since we've talked about what Idlib is. Remember when they were protecting Idlib and acting like they were all freedom fighters fighting for freedom in a place where you, it's absurd. Guess where both al-Baghdadi and the most recent ISIS leader were found in Idlib. Isn't that interesting? Well, we're not supposed to connect the fact that they were defending this area now, but now they claim it's a hotbed. It's interesting, right? The bottom line, though, is that this is a person that is clearly not the epitome of the leadership of what we're discussing here, or even the real threat that's going on there. Because when you dig into Hayat Tir al-Sham and what they're actually protecting, literally working alongside Turkey, a NATO ally in this location, with the complete allowance of the U.S. government and everything else that's happening in places like Altamf and what's going on in Syria, you realize that they are the ones protecting the problem, which is not a surprise because they just told you we don't want Assad back in power. We're going to do everything we can, which includes continuing to fund and protect and arm and shuttle around the very people they pretend they're fighting. If you are still quibbling about this, you are, I don't even know how to frame that. Completely out of the know, obviously, but just unwilling to address the blatantly obvious truth that's been over, that's been revealed by the mainstream media when it's advantageous in the moment. These people are the problem. Not just these people in this picture. 
They're just the current iteration of the puppets that are being moved by those people. The reality is that this has always been happening, and we need to make sure that we realize that when they do these things, it's probably because they want you to go look over there, check out what's happening, or because there's some kind of shift of power that's important to controlling Syria or wherever else this is happening. But I wanted to make one point from this article that Robert points out. Two things, actually. As he writes here, U.S. State Department officials quite literally in 2019 said al-Kirashi, uh, if that's how you, I believe, I believe they were going by the other one, al-Hashimi. Either way, the recent, recently assassinated supposed leader, they called him a nobody in 2019. Literally. New ISIS leader is a nobody, they said, but U.S. knows almost nothing about him, which is kind of a weirdly but because you just said he was a nobody. So you should say, therefore, we know nothing about him. It's kind of great, typical mainstream media because that was the narrative. It didn't matter if the title made sense. But interestingly enough, 2019, we know nothing about him, even though he was held for a while in an Iraq prison controlled by the United States, just like al-Baghdadi. So maybe I can be the one to float the idea of sort of an Osama bin Laden situation here, where maybe, just maybe, these people were compromised, if you believe they were ever on another side, and that's when we saw this happen. When they end up in a prison, and then they become an al-Baghdadi person that seems to be very clearly taking pictures next to McCain, and on and on and on, right? It's most likely, to, to me, seems most likely these people are not what they seem at all. Then the bottom line being who they're actually protecting on the ground there while they make this big show about hurting somebody or taking somebody out. By the way, which also killed a lot of people when this happened after they spent 40 minutes yelling and telling people they were going to do this, which as Robert points out, makes no sense if you actually wanted to keep people safe. But it's not about that, is it? It's all about theater. Finally, another one, the U.S. government seeks new Cold War over Ukraine tensions. Read this for yourself to understand what this seems to be ultimately creating a Cold War situation, not really wanting actual kinetic war, which I don't think is even in the cards for governments today. I think this is that's the past. Not that it can't happen, but that simply there's more going on with all the technology and everything, the way the cyber attacks. Kinetic war is a thing of the past between major governments, in my opinion. But this, it's about creating the Cold War situation to capitalize on. Read more about it if you'd like to understand how they're playing you in a lot of different ways. Now, to get into some censorship quickly before we start with the main topic with Austria, I thought this was important to share with you how Instagram is removing posts from T-Lav's channel that Star is taking all the time to make for Instagram and TikTok and wherever else, and they're censoring it all over the place, just like all the rest of them. It shouldn't surprise you because these are all connected and all the platforms will continue to do this as long as it's in their interest, which is hiding the truth. I actually forget which clip that was, uh, immediate cease and desist, I forget. The, the bottom line was they're censoring content that we're putting up based on peer-reviewed science, based on source material, based on everything that should, any, I mean, even if it's just opinion, the bottom line is this is a, should be protected opinion in the concept of free speech or the fact that we're a news outlet and we're continuing to report on these things because it's not like the mainstream media has ever gotten it wrong before, right? That's to even imply that I was wrong, which in this case, I wasn't. But the point is censorship. It doesn't matter that we're reporting the truth or what people want to hear or any other sense of it. Here's TikTok, same thing. Community guideline violation, one after another, community interactions. Yeah, who cares about factual discussions about how it does? It's just so funny how these things, guys, I challenge you to go back and look at any of this, any of it, and point out where this, Not who cares whether it violates their community guidelines, but all that ultimately means is you did something we said you weren't allowed to do, which is say things that we said weren't true, 
in the during which they're being shown to be true. That's the stupidest part about this. Half of this stuff are things the media is now admitting to, and they're still censoring it because they haven't caught up to the talking points. Think about how ridiculous that is. Anyway, go through and look at each one of them, and you'll be baffled to see the kind of stuff they're censoring as medical misinformation. It's unbelievable. On that note of censorship, I, th- I thought it was important to include that not that I necessarily really believe or support banned TV or Infowars in any way, shape, or form, but I did have an account on banned.video because I put my stuff everywhere, as I told you guys I do. What's funny, though, is if you go to my account, which is right here, guess what you find? I just happen to know this. Look, there's T-Lab. You see it. Oh, wait a minute. Now it's gone. Wait a minute. Where'd it go? Oh, weird. Oops. There's nothing here anymore. Isn't that interesting? Please wait. We address the issue. Yeah. But if you say, in the meantime, please consider this, or excuse me, or it says, listen to the show's audio, which apparently was supposed to be the audio from what was there. But if you click on it, you get Alex Jones hawking things at you, just like this video here. But my point is not to show, to to do anything other than to point out the fact that another free speech platform is removing somebody's account. For whatever reason, it really doesn't matter to me. Just so we can see, just, I mean, just make sure you're aware that you can see that that says band.video user TLAV. Agabond. <laughs> That's what I use for all my accounts. Let's just try it one more time so you can see that it says TLAV, oh, and then it removes it. In case you missed it, here's the actual picture of it. There it was. Well, I don't, you, you, get, you can reach out and try to find out why or get the excuse. It doesn't really matter to me. At the end of the day, this is happening all over the place. And I don't know why you thought this platform from a group like that would be any better, but bottom line is places like SuperU and, and BitChute and Odyssey and the ones that have shown to not do any of that, at least as far as I can tell, are where we should be going. But I, I thought that was important to include for no other reason than it's a platform pretending to be a free speech platform and it is removing people for any reason. That's pretty ridiculous. Well, I shouldn't say any reason. I, the bottom line is every platform, even free speech, has whatever their, you know, you can't openly attack someone or threaten violence or whatever. Every platform has their lines, none of which I crossed is the point. Simply gone. But. I wanted to play this one for you as well, because this is a great clip that Star made, kind of just quickly going over the deletion from TikTok. I just think it's hilarious. And I think she's doing a great job with these clips. So please keep it up. And on that note, by the way, make sure you guys all continue to hop over and follow this account, which and it will probably be another account tomorrow and the one after that or whenever. Search out the TLAV pirate post hashtag, please, and continue to follow and share whatever we're doing on Twitter if you'd like to keep us relevant on Twitter. Because ultimately, if it can't connect with the network, then it doesn't really matter. But I am still using Gitter and Gab and Poller and everything else as well. So help us continue to share these because this is where I'm posting this stuff, at least for the time being. Let's watch this clip. Really, it's it's funny with the music and everything else as well. So continue to shout out her great clips. If you'd like to check out her work, check out TikTok. Instagram, the T-Lab accounts, or on her Twitter account. Let's take a watch real quick. Journal of Medicine. <laughs> Science Direct. Unreal. Antibody levels decrease. 
gotta love that. You gotta. Oh shoot! Sorry about that. I put it back too far. You gotta love them censoring, like literally censoring a whistleblower, right? Brooke Jackson speaking on the record about what she experienced is apparently not allowed. If you if you need anything else to show you what's going on, I've, I I mean, if you shouldn't need anything else. I mean, literally, you could argue that she doesn't that she's wrong or that she, this is a person who worked there. That's provable that she did see things. That's also provable. I showed you the evidence myself, but I mean, even ask you how they can even censor that. How can they censor a person who worked there whistleblowing about what they saw as medical misinformation? I mean, good God, these people are pathetic. I mean, if that, if you look up the definition of pathetic and you will see Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook and Twitter right there in front of you, cowardly, terrified of the truth. Well done. Well done. You know, and it's just so embarrassing to watch how many, and again, I, I challenge you guys to go back and look at that stuff, guys. Go back and look at those, watch them, and you will be absolutely baffled to sh- if, if you have any discernment whatsoever, because it's all verifiable stuff, 90% of which is now being admitted to. How silly is that? Really is. It's really utterly ridiculous. But, you know, again, going back to the point about censorship in general, there's a lot of people out there pretending to do that, trying, you know, we need to see that there's a lot of... Mi- half-hearted efforts at the very least going on around the idea of censorship. And I mean, even going to TikTok, right? There'd be, there, there'd be those out there that would argue that there's, you know, a difference between China and the United States. You know, it's, it's the same difference, guys. It's all the same. They're in lockstep. Don't forget that, right? That's the main point. Anyway, censorship is going to continue, as she said, and hopefully we will continue to fight it, right? And I don't mean that like we will continue to fight no matter what, whether or not we'll be able to on these platforms is deciding to, you know, I'm surprised we're still able to do pirate streams on YouTube, to be quite honest, because I can't believe they haven't stopped it yet. We still we get like three, four thousand views on these videos these days on the channel with like four subscribers. It's pretty crazy. As somebody pointed out in the chat, we just got like four or five thousand likes and so many different shares on one of these recent tweets. That's probably why. As I told you, the moment we went past 10,000 again, I knew they were going to do something. We had over 40,000 subscribers in the last one, you know, but none of that matters. This is all meaningless stuff because how much you want to bet it was well over 200,000 and they just didn't show us that or whatever. The point is they want you hooked into that. So you care about those things. As long as you guys see the information and this gets reached, that's all that matters. So that's how we're trying to think this out. We got, we, we already worked past YouTube. I guarantee that bothers them if we're getting three, 4,000 views on videos where they, and I just jumped to the new channel, like the one we're on today. <laughs> they just deleted another one yesterday. I mean, I, this is what we need to do, guys. Find ways around this stuff. Now, we just talked about Austria Parliament approving mandatory COVID vaccination. Right. This this one of the few one of the many, I should say, that are edging towards this and only two or three of them have come out and been like, you know, we're going to straight up mandate or uh, legislate. That you have to do this. 
which is even crazier than an illegal mandate. I mean, that's exponentially more incredible because of how, especially in the United States, unconstitutional it is. And then going from an international level, how completely illegal it is from a bioethics standpoint, from UNESCO and many other things that have been laid down. But bringing this up is because, why I'm bringing this up is because this is what just came out as of the 2nd of February. Now, the reason I hadn't seen it is somebody had sent this to me. And it, there, a lot of these things happen in other places of the world. And we don't always get the places where, well, you don't, they don't find their way to us because of translation issues and so on. All right. This, I'm just using translate to you to show this to you. So as always, there could be some little translation errors, but this is indeed accurately what's happening. Austria constitutional court has initiated ordinance review procedures. Now on January 26, 2022, which by the way, this is what blows me away. This can happen on January 26th. Weeks can go by and the international media doesn't say a word. You know why? Despite how gigantic this is, because they just don't want you knowing that there are major institutions that are aggressively and openly challenging every aspect of this massive illusion. That's why. Because they, especially in the U.S. Western media, have invested their entire careers in this illusion. If because if not if if only because they're desperately afraid of the lies they've been fed, or because, like I've said earlier, they've committed themselves to this career-wise, and they're in. Right? You you can only go in so far where your entire following believes the lie before you realize, okay, crap, I can't pull back now unless I want to destroy my entire following. You know, a lot of those independents out there that went all the way in with Trump and still have, I think they know a bit about what I'm talking about. <laughs> Where they're like, okay, crap. Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're Trump's still president, and they're they're way in that right now. And I bet you most of them are like, okay, this is clearly not true anymore. But their entire base believes it, so they keep going, still making videos about how this is all happening and how Trump's controlling everything. And it's pretty, I mean, anything's possible, I guess. But once you overcommit, you're committed like that if your audience believes in it. And I think that's what the mainstream, to a degree, is doing. 26, 2022, the Austrian Constitutional Court, or acronym, I guess, is VFGH, probably the you know, translation, initiated an ordinance review procedure and sent important questions to the Minister of Health. Questions that were absolutely taboo until now, unless you're watching this channel and anybody honest in the internet media, who are shaking the foundations of the pandemic, in quotes. That's important. That's This is how it's being framed by them. Writes guest author Chris Verber in the... Uh, Wochenblick Media Portal. The catalog of questions from the 14 judges was also echoed in the British online portal, The Daily Skeptic. The Ministry of Health has until February 18th, 2022 to com comment on the questions. Quote, this is also the end date of the pandemic in Austria, predicts Berber. Specifically, the Constitutional Council wants to know whether the COVID deaths died from or with COVID. Right. One of these things they're continuing to allow us to have a conversation about now, which is what they're thinking, even though we've been calling this out from day one, except they're only applying the logic to people who get the injection and then get sick or die or something. Right. So then they can go, oh, no, they were really ill. And that's why. So from or with not from and we it matters. But in COVID before, no, 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 we can't do that. Right, we can't differentiate the obvious age difference in in the risk. We have to blend it all together. But oh no! But afterward, we got to make sure we differentiate between age, risk, and biases. You see how it goes? Twenty eight cycle threshold after vaccine, over forty before 
COVID, right? See how, see how this works? It's an engineered, absolute, very transparent effort to make them look different on different sides. Now, whether that was always the plan or they rushed this garbage out because they recognized their whatever was continuing to hurt lots of people. I do think there's a level of that, guys. Like I said before, I think there was a level of this where this was not meant to hurt the people that went along with it. And clearly, we're seeing that happen for the, for, in the majority of the problem is happening there. So I think there's actions being taken to try to make this look some, like something else at this point. But with and from was obviously a huge issue in the beginning that got completely ignored. The nursing homes, the elderly, right? They're still playing that game now, and that's why they only apply it on one side. And whether the hospitalization and deceased numbers include all infected people. And this is a point that comes from the UK. Remember where they told you, this? That for, what do they call it? The, the oh, what do they call that? The UK, one of these mainstream articles framed it a very certain, a very specific way that was well done. The, the uh, peculiar case of the forever infected or something like that, where you never, if you take one test and you get a positive for the rest of your life, if you die, you get, you go down as a COVID death. And I'm not making this up. We did an entire show on it. They argue that's in your best interest to keep you safe, right? But that applies on one side of it. That logic does not apply the other way around. You don't get an injection. And then for the rest of your life, if you die, that's because of the injection. You see, that's not how that works. So they're playing it this way. A breakdown of COVID deaths and hospitalizations is also required. Where was Corona? The, where, where was Corona the cause of death? Where only a meaningless positive was? Was there only a meaningless positive test? And that's how they decided, right? We know all these questions. The judges also consider the age of the deceased and the hospitals hospitalized to be important because they should. That's an obvious factor. At the same time, proof of the reasonableness of the uh, mass requirements is requested, right? They're breaking down all of this, guys. Whether or not it actually gets addressed is, is the point. It says, then we get down to business for the pharmaceutical mafia, says Verber. The Constitutional Court put the risk of dying from COVID at 0.15%. That's the Constitutional Court of Austria. So let's make sure. Uh, and again, even that is combining other risks. That for the, mo- for the average person, the vast majority of the population, you are way below the flu risk. And you can't hide that anymore. All they're throwing into the mix now is the hypotheticals and the possible long COVID, which peer-reviewed science has already said is, in by and large, psychosomatic. But we don't talk about that because trust the science crowd doesn't like to trust the science. 0.15%. That's less than the flu right there. And yet here we are. This continues. He therefore asked how the absolute and relative risk reduction of a vaccination should be understood. Oops, we're not supposed to talk about that one. Can't poke in there because then you realize that the risk, even the risk they're pointing at is ridiculously low. And on top of that, the injection is obviously far, 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 far less, quote, efficacious, right? That's what they're pretending. I put it in quotes because there's not even that term should not even be applied if you're talking about a point percentage, a fraction of 1%. That's what we're talking about. When you actually look at relative or absolute versus relative. We've pl- we we've uh, let's see if I can actually bring this up. 
Hey, I played. There you go. To know the potential benefit of any intervention. For example, Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, eight out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number, that refers to the relative difference between 0.88% and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead, which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? Right. Good question. Right. I mean, this is the problem about this is there are people that will defend with their life on Twitter, you know, <laughs> metaphorically, that this is 95% effic efficacious. Like they will scream at you about how this works and 95% protected. They literally still don't know this, even though it's been admitted to that they, oops, at Fauci accidentally used the wrong one. They actually made that argument. And here we are still using it. That's what's incredible. By the way, on a quick side note, if you know, if you look at the URL here, guys, a lot, a lot of the stuff that I end up using is stuff that's saved and downloaded to my computer or saved on StreamYard. And I just, I don't plan to use them like that. I just, I remember it and I grab it and I pull it for the show. Somebody was reaching out saying, "Hey, can you give me the URL?" Sometimes I just don't have them, and I, I, I look and I can't find them again, so I keep them here. So I apologize if there's ever videos like this that I don't have in the show notes. I, that's the only thing you will find that I don't even briefly mention that ends up not included, right? A lot of double negatives there. That was confusing. But most everything is included in the show notes. Now, back to the point. They're calling all this stuff out, as which, which made me very happy to see. Even stuff like that, right? I mean, these, these things should have destroyed this narrative a long time ago. It's only because of people that are going along with it. This has been, like Corbett has always said, this ends when we stop it. When we end it, when we stand up and stop this, the people are still to some degree going along with this. And then on top of that, the majority, which is you, have still not some, the, mo the majority of the majority has still not recognized that they are in fact the majority. We need to, I'm, I'm being serious when I say that, like we, the people right now that represent the majority of the country that are recognizing this is a problem, aren't aware that they are in fact the majority. If they were, I believe this would be over already. Now, continuing forward. It says, make sure I'm going to the right spot. Right. Okay. So it says the constitutional court is also interested in how high the absolute risk reduction after one, two, or three vaccination is, which is interesting, right? So now they're comparing the differences and it says a 95% effectiveness lie is over. I agree. Overall, the court questions the pandemic of the unvaccinated, which I'm sure you know interested me. The Minister of Health must answer to what extent the vaccination reduces the risk of infection, disease, and transmission. Basically, not at all, in fact, especially when you look at relative and then recognize that it's collapsed even from there, right? We often point to the, the Pfizer study that shows the, uh, the disgusting, I mean, even ignoring the obvious increased risk of 76% after 90 days, 
which is what they're not, they're not debating that it drops to 55%, then 16, then 9%. That's relative risk reduction all the way to 60 after 60 days, right? So they're making that out to be nothing important. Just get the booster, despite the fact that all the science is showing that the booster does the same thing, that it drops to basically nothing. I mean, if you think relative risk reduction, if 95 relative risk reduction ends up 0.84%, ask yourself what 9% relative risk reduction ends up being. It is nothing. They know this. That's why they're desperate to keep this from your view. As their science reveals the truth, but they just tell you, no, 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 don't listen to those crazies. Don't look at it. Let us tell you what this means and just walk away thinking you understand. Don't look at the numbers that show you're at more risk. Let me explain to you why that's misleading and let you tell you how to think. That's what's happening right now. I can't believe people fall for this. At least my point is the majority are not. We need to recognize that. Now, a question is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. The Minister of Health must answer to what extent the vaccination reduces these things. It says since, quote, it seems to correspond to the current state of science that people with a COVID vaccination can also become infected, as that we know they can, contract COVID, as we know they can, and transmit it to others, including the uninjected, as we know they can. Factual. There is literally no denying this. They can't admit that it doesn't stop transmission and then pretend that that means those people can't infect the uninjected. They just are desperate to keep you from connecting that very obvious dot, which means the injected are putting the uninjected at risk by every definition of the word. Further questions for the Ministry of Health. How high is the risk of hospitalization after illness or after vaccination? Exactly. Because right now we are seeing it explode and all they're trying to pretend is, look, look, more of them are in the hospital. They're admitting that today. But apparently less on the ICU, though, that's actually their argument. See, like this, I wasn't planning to grab this, but since. That's a lie they keep trying to spin. I haven't even looked at this yet today. How much you want to bet? It's at least 50% in Ontario. Oh, look at that. In Ontario, February 5th, right there. More than 50% of people in the ICU are people that are fully injected. Hospital, almost 75%. Just hospital in general. But they keep spinning the idea. No, no, no. It's actually helping them somehow as the majority are in the ICU, right? It says the, the quote, lockdown for the unvaccinated the ministry said, or excuse me, the constitutional court is asking, is also brought into focus. The constitutional court would like to know how much higher the bed occupancy would be without this lockdown. Point being, it's the opposite, right? This is what we're beginning to see. And they're asking these right questions. I promise you they're going to ignore it, but that sets a, a standard, that sets a huge precedent. Quote, the deadliest question for the government comes at the end, says Verber, because the constitutional court is asking for information on whether it is correct that there were fewer COVID deaths in 2021, which, by the way, everywhere is seeing that now. I shouldn't be so loose with it. Not, I, w- I would argue not everywhere, but the majority of places we're seeing that we can prove actually break down the data are showing right now that there's all they're going to pretend that it's the unvaccinated fault or that it's because of the variant, which is therefore the unvaccinated fault. None of this is any science, has any science to back it up. The reality is what they've done, the obvious only real difference is the injection and, the, and what it's done is causing much, much more problems than it has than what we saw before. But it's saying, but still a weekly excess mortality in the three digit range. How do you explain the excess mortality? Right. This is if that many people, especially in places like the UK elsewhere or have 80 percent injection rates. Quote, the government must answer questions from the constitutional court. I believe answering these questions will end the pandemic. It also ends the government. But we'll wait and see what happens. Now, the point was, as they said, they have until February 18th. So guys, don't let me forget this. 
I made a note, but let's follow up on the 18th and see what happens. Now, the obvious reality here, guys, is there is an endless amount of information coming out showing you, or at the least positing the question, like, can we consider this? Is it right to ask this? Right? All these different people now beginning to poke into things we weren't supposed to talk about before. And all they're doing is dismissing it as desperately as possible from the on high position because they're, I, I don't even know. I don't know how they think they can run from this while they're admitting it, which is, be, which is to my point from the beginning, why I don't really make sense of this right now. No, we never really know everything that's happening, obviously. But usually I can kind of piece together the logic around why I think they're doing what they're doing. I mean, it really could just be this desperate spinning out position. I just don't really think that's what's happening. But that seems to make the most sense based on how none of this adds up unless they're doing this to kind of just throw us off kilter, right? And again, I'm not trying to be as loose about saying, like people pointing out, like, you know, whenever I say they, obviously, it applies to the certain context. In this case, we'd be talking about the government specifically, the CDC, the people that are involved with the narrative. But as always, if you'd like to put a terminology to the acronym, the hierarchy enslaving you, they, easy as that. Because let's not pretend like there's not an obvious agenda by people in power to use this as best they can. Never let a good crisis go to waste, they say. But we know this. Not, I'm not talking about we, we think we kind of, you know, as usual, but we know things like this. Because you can see the information and you can actually have other experts look at it and say, yes, that's quite obvious. The FDA used, quote, critically flawed risk-benefit analysis to justify COVID vaccines for children which is exactly why we are now seeing, as Steve Kirsch points out, at least in the backed up again, this is our, my point, by the British government data where they're telling you means something else, 10 to 14-year-olds are up to 52 times more likely to die after getting the injection. Must be one of those coincidences they keep finding, right? The U.S. FDA relied on a critically flawed risk-benefit assessment to authorize the for emergency use, which means they don't have all the information, Pfizer's COVID injection for 5-year-olds to 11-year-olds. You know, the group that has literally no need of these things. Absolutely no need. One in a million chance of dying, according to the Oxford calculator. Now, it says, this week, Pfizer asked the FDA to authorize the use of a two-dose vaccine in children six months to four-year-olds. Six months. Like, this is where this becomes obviously criminal. There is absolutely no scientific basis for why this makes sense. And there has been people all around the world saying this. There's governments now stopping this because they openly say there is literally no evidence for why kids should get this. The WHO came out and said, at the very least in regard to the booster, saying that there's no reason they should be getting this. Your government's rushing forward in the U.S. And the FDA is all all too happy to... What, keep you safe? No, <laughs> to walk in lockstep with the companies making the drugs, Pfizer, which shows you they're a captured agency, which is why they're working with them to hide things, working with them to cover up and redact documentation. It should be the exact opposite. Data on a third shot will be submitted to regulators once they became available in the spring, clearing the way for the agency to authorize a three-shot regimen for the youngest children who can get vaccinated. Disgusting. The vaccine for this age group could be available as early as February. The emergency use authorization is to be issued for a vaccine. The FDA must determine, or for it to be, the FDA must determine the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risk. Now, that's, in my opinion, not exactly accurate, because if you read their documentation, they make it clear. They, they have to determine that the known benefits outweigh the known risks. That's really important right there. Do you know why? 
because it implicitly shows that they do not know. They do not know all of the risks or, and they do not know all the benefits. That's why it's the known benefit. And because if they, if they knew all the benefits and knew all the risks and the benefits outweighed the risks, they could approve it. Well, I guess I shouldn't say it all encompassing because you could argue that if there's high enough risk, even with benefits, they would argue no, or at least they should, if you believe the FDA does even remotely what they say they do. But the bottom line is that's what emergency authorization means. And I've shown you many times right on their own documentation, right from the FDA and the CDC websites that still say that. They just lie to you and say the opposite. That's why it's the stupidest thing in the world to pretend like emergency use authorization and approval are basically the same thing. How does it even make sense to somebody with the smallest amount of intelligence? Then they would literally be the same thing, wouldn't they? If they both mean they're safe and effective, then you're being lied to. Anyway, the FDA news release says the FDA conducted its own benefit risk assessment using modeling to predict how many symptomatic COVID cases, hospitalizations, and ICU admissions and deaths from the injection in children 5 to 11 would prevent versus the number of potential myocarditis cases, hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and deaths that the vaccine might cause. So even here, they're admitting that this thing has its risks that they alternatively pretend like aren't even really there for children who literally have no need of this thing, who are at a one in a million chance of dying. But you're going to give them something that immediately gives them risks of all of these things, including myocarditis, which is a high risk. The FDA's model predicts that overall, the benefits of the vaccine would outweigh its risks in this age group. Unfortunately, the FDA's risk-benefit assessment was deeply flawed, as we should know by now, and failed to account for some of the most obviously important factors in any setting of this kind of situation when you're giving a vaccine or just administering any kind of a health-based product. Everything they know from the past is completely off the table when it comes to COVID-19, such as natural immunity. To ever pretend like it makes no sense to include natural immunity in this discussion means you are so completely lost and brainwashed in the current COVID narrative. Because every, there's, unless you search on Google, because you search for any words like this, it jams you into the current narrative. But everywhere you look, you will find historical documents about why this is exactly the thing you should be doing right up until COVID started. But they don't even mention it. They don't even include it. They don't. They act like even as the CDC admits that this is what you what is, is important, as they've been censoring you up until now, they won't even include it in the study about whether these children should be at, should whether it should be considered if they have any form of of immunity. Even the stuff that we're showing is there from before COVID, as multiple studies have found. The most important one being JCI Insights that tells you that they're a majority. A majority of uninfected adults already had pre-existing antibody reactivity. But, we're, but we don't care. It doesn't fa- Fake news, according to anybody, especially the people that should be doing their utmost due diligence to be when they're talking about children, toddlers. How about underestimated myocarditis rates, right? That's, and see, one of the biggest issues I have with this article in general, not necessarily issues, but they always, and it's objective, but framing it as a... Uh, uh, To me, it's quite obvious these aren't underestimates or overlooking things. This is a willful manipulation, my opinion. Underestimated myocarditis rates. This is where they pretend that, well, you know, they have a higher risk here. Well, very clearly they don't, first of all. But comparing the risk of an injection to a hypothetical in the future, maybe getting sick and then having risk situation is so dishonest, it makes me spin. We're talking about a situation where you're at immediate risk. The injection, it's instantaneous. You have that risk. You have to catch COVID first to get whatever they claim might happen afterward. 
And these kids have an unbelievably low risk. And then you have to realize that even then, as we're pointing out, their risks are wildly underestimated in with regard to after the injection. But overclassification of COVID hospitalizations. Right. This is where they pretend these kids have a risk that they need to counteract. A Stanford University study and even Newsweek did an entire article on this found that 45% Newsweek said up to almost 50% of these cases in hospitals for children weren't there because of COVID. They came with a broken leg and they said, oh, look, let's give you a test. Oh, you've got COVID. Then they left with no illness and they went down as a COVID hospitalization. They know this. They don't care. Not factoring it in. That's willful dishonesty. Inflated COVID hospitalization rates in general. We also know this. At the time of the FDA's risk-benefit assessment, the overall weekly average COVID-associated hospitalization rate in the age group for these children was approximately 0.4% per 100,000 children. And even that we can guarantee is overshot because of all the other research we've just shown you. But it says rather than use the weekly average of COVID hospitalization rate, since the start of the pandemic, which would be honest, the FDA's risk-benefit assessment used an arbitrary average of the four weeks just just prior to September 11th. That's it. So they plucked out a specific four-week period. Why they picked that? Probably because it made it look a certain way, right? That's not honest. That's manipulative. That's what's called cherry-picking, which, shocker, resulted in COVID-19 hospitalization rate of approximately 0.74 per 100,000, which is nearly double the, the already overshot information. Think about how dishonest that is. Why would you pluck out a four-week period arbitrarily? Why wouldn't you average it out if you're actually talking about risk? Because you're desperate to show what you want people to see. And you know that those that are gobbling up the narrative won't care to look in and go, wait a minute, why'd they do that? And even if, even if they did, they'd go, they must have a reason. Waning immunity. Do we not care that the very injections you're telling them to get are currently based on a, a, a an isolate? Oh, I don't have it up, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, right there. This is the, at least the Moderna one, mainly based on the initial Wuhan isolate. Still, that's right there. So we're giving them an injection right now that is based on an original Wuhan isolate that has no effect on what's currently happening in the world, except that it can actually increase the risk of antibody dependent enhancement and plenty of other problems. On top of that, as we've also shown, that it wanes aggressively after one day. One day in, between one and 30 days, it goes all the way down to 55%. That's an instantaneous waning. Within 30 days, you're down to half of whatever they tell you is there. By the way, that's that's to assume it even starts at 95% relative risk reduction. So you're going to give them something they don't need for something they're not at risk from that, in fact, increases their risk, doubles their cardiac risk, in fact, potentially dysregulates their immune system, and then immediately wanes. And after 30 days or actually 90 days, it increases their risk by 76%. But we're going to give them that, right? Because that makes scientific sense. None of that's even considered. And this is all verifiable things they're putting out from the Pfizer reports. Doesn't matter. Get them that thing even though we don't know if they have natural immunity. And on top of that, if they have natural immunity, giving them the shot could actually increase their risk as well. And a thousand different ways we've talked about. Vaccine adverse reactions. Like, let's just pretend that these things aren't affecting people, which is what they're doing. Theirs, oh, that's unverified. Therefore, none of that matters, even though it's been the key tool up until now. Fake news. Opportunity, cost. The opportunity, cost. The FDA's risk-benefit analysis estimated that fully vaccinating 1 million children, ages 5 to 11, would prevent one COVID-19 death. Let me just say that again in case people think I misstated that. The FDA's risk-benefit analysis that you can check for yourself, they estimated that fully vaccinating, which apparently means two still, one million children. 
So giving them two shots of something that's not helping them because that's not what's happening right now in the world, something that increases their risk in the beginning and the end, and then increases their risk of myocarditis and a million other things in the middle all across the board. One million children with that would prevent a single COVID-19 death. At a pandemic price of $19.50 per Pfizer dose, which is supposed to be free, don't forget that, it would cost $39 million and the risk to all of their lives to prevent a single COVID death for a child in that age group. This is not a joke. This is the kind of math they're giving you that makes sense in the COVID clown world because they're at this, they're zero sum game. We can't allow one children to die. Well, of course, any child dying is sad, but you, so apparently you don't care that exponentially more children just that moment starved to death in the United States. Who cares about that? How about all the children just died from tuberculosis? Everything else we're talking, but nope, we have to spend $39 million and risk all of their lives to save that one child from COVID. Who cares that they die from blood clots, vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, or die from any number of other things they've already admitted can happen? This begs the question. They say, how many more lives could be saved if that same sum of money were spent somewhere else? How about, like we just said, feeding them? How about giving them ivermectin? How about giving them the choice to choose what they want or their families decide is the best for them? How about doing none of this, which exponentially, instantaneously puts them in a better position? How about that? This is what's happening. And they know that and they're hiding it from you. And here, as the UAK report shows it to you directly, as they just go, no, 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 look at it. However, we tell you to 10 to 14 year olds who are already getting these injections, are at 52 times more likely to die after getting the shot, according to their data. Now, could there be some other possibility or reason why that? Yes, as always. But the real question should be, why are they not asking that question? New data from the ONS in the UK shows a 52-time increase in all-cause mortality if you got two jabs compared to the uninjected. Now, this is where they're going, but look at the booster. Well, we're not there yet, guys. Why can't we address the people in this category that might not want to get a booster who are currently at 52 times the risk of dying? You see, because they're desperate to go somewhere else. They oh no, no, the booster. But don't forget, this is what I keep telling you. The booster is just a matter of time. It's a ticking time bomb, which is what all of them have been telling you, Eden and Bhakti and everybody else we've talked to on this channel, myself or Taylor or anybody in The Last American Vagabond, they've all been telling you this. Now, yes, some of them may have been saying things that may seem a little hyperbolic, but cannot we not see that it's panning out in that direction? This is incredible to me. Steve Kirch continued to do a great job. Here's one more example of what they're finding. Shocker, I know. It turns out the injection could also cause cancer. Who would have thought? Rapid progression of angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma following Pfizer's injection. Now, this is just a report. They're not verifiably saying we know this is happening, but their, their findings are that this seems plausible and likely. So too do all the rest of what we found. Everything we're talking about has been shown by peer-reviewed science to be possible at the very least, in most cases, 100%. Then they just, just they, they go, well, yeah, this is possible. Yeah, it can cause myocarditis. But then when that uh, Division One golfer comes out and says, my doctor literally told me I got it from the injection. They still censored him and they still to this day censor him. Why is that? If you just admitted it's happening because there's narrative involved. Funny enough, I was also, I just mentioned Brian Young in our discussion. Well, I was, I'm not going to get into it today. We'll probably talk about it on his show, but apparently another golfer just, just fell over in the middle of a game. I haven't checked that or looked into it yet, but 
It's happening all over the place. And it's, it's insulting that that ridiculous CNN video comes out and just kind of dismisses it all as just like, you're an idiot, basically. It's a video that basically sums up to be, you're an idiot because you trust this conspiracy theorist, and we're CNN because we're right, and there you go. Stupid idiots. Like, that's, that's smug and with basically no evidence. We'll go through it. But all of this is in front of you. Like, imagine how stupid, imagine how ridiculous you have to be to know that this can cause heart attacks, that they can admit that. Super, super, super rare, however you want to frame it. Knowing that it can cause pericarditis, knowing that it can cause myocarditis, knowing that it can cause blood clots, knowing that it can cause any number of things that can lead to exactly what we're seeing on these fields, and yet then see it happen to a large degree. And yeah, maybe there's an excuse or an explanation for why. Oh, they just didn't work out during the pandemic lockdowns. Fine. But then dismiss it without even asking the question. I mean, think about how willfully ignorant that is. It says here, herein we report and discuss unexpected rapid progression of lymphomatous lesions and administration of uh, after administration of the Pfizer injection. And specifically, guys, the booster. That's really important to me. This is specifically framing and, and focusing on the booster, which says a lot. And, to, and it's uh, in a man recently diagnosed with AITL, which is what I just read up here, angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma. Now, the conclusion states, this observation, which has been posted as a preprint on the SSRN platform, which we always tell you because we're always honest about it, despite how they like to pretend when it's preprints, when anybody else points at it, it means you're fake news, you don't know how to read science. But when the media points at fake preprints, it's everything we've thought. But it suggests that vaccination with the Pfizer injection might induce rapid progression of lymphoma, of specifically angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma. How interesting is that? Add it to the gigantic list of things that are potentially caused by this injection that we all want to ignore, or they want us to. And I just want to point out yet again, Swiss Policy Research and a great article they put up, and this was from September 25th, last time they updated it anyway, which I love how they continue to update these and they show you where. COVID vaccines and cancer. Now, this is specifically about the dysregulation of the immune system. And called lymphocytopenia, and how this is causing all sorts of things like herf, ser, ha, uh, zerpe, geez, herpes zoster and plenty of other things we pointed to. But this is the point the article makes, and this is important. They're not necessarily saying, uh, can we prove right here that, they, that specifically the injections are carcinogenic? No. However, it has been shown that up to 50%, and, and this, this is the peer-reviewed study you can look, which I've already gone over on the show, 50% of vaccine, vaccinees, people who got the injection, can, uh, COVID vaccines can induce a temporary immune suppression or immune dysregulation, lymphocytopenia, that lasts about a week or possibly longer. Now, the reason they say that, because they're honest, is that the studies only went that long. And they see it lasting out to the end of the study. The bottom line is we don't, it could last forever based on that reality, or it could uh, a couple of weeks. Either way, you end up looking at it, guys. It could be any time in between there. And the reality is that this is enough to increase your risk of a lot of things or allow the situation to build in that week or forever period that creates the perfect situation for all sorts of things, one of which would be cancer. We've talked about this a lot. So that's why these things don't seem to shock me a lot. It seems like this is adding that to, alongside that. And I'll, I'll play this again really quickly. A lot of other problems that a lot of other doctors have spoken up about and told you they're seeing as the one that we played many times is the Dr. Uh, Cole 
telling you that, the, and this is also something that we've kind of settled around in our own research, showing that the, the lack of the T cells, CD4, I believe, and showing that when that happens, well those, well, those are the ones that actually fight off a lot of these other things that people are seeing explode. And of course, things that they are not in any way making a connection to the injection, which is un- incredibly dishonest knowing that it can cause this, or at the very least that doctors are saying they, can, they see it. And then we're seeing this explosion of all these rashes and cancers and everything that are just going, well, you know, I don't know, lockdown, right? Simultaneously using lockdown as a catch-all, but then pretending it works for us and it is a savior. But what we're seeing in the laboratory after people get these shots, we're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T-cells that you want in your body. It's almost a a reverse HIV. In HIV, you lose your helper T-cells, your CD4 cells. In this virus, post-vaccine, what we're seeing is a drop in your killer T-cells, your CD8 cells. And what do CD8 cells do? They keep all other viruses in check. What am I seeing in the laboratory? I'm seeing an uptick of herpes family viruses. I'm seeing um, herpes. I'm seeing shingles. I'm seeing mono. I'm seeing a huge uptick in human papillomavirus uh, in the cervical biopsies and the cervical pap smears in women. In addition to that, there's a, a little infectious you know, bump that kids get called molluscum contagiosum. What do you need to keep that in check? You need CD8 uh, killer T cells. I am seeing a 20 times increase in individuals over the age of 50 of this little bump and rash. Um, You know, that's innocuous, but what it tells me is the immune status of these individuals who have gotten the shot. We're literally weakening the immune system of these individuals. Now, most concerning of all is there's a pattern of these types of immune cells in the body that keep cancer in check. Well, since January 1, in the laboratory, I've seen a 20 times increase of endometrial cancers over what I see on an annual basis. Now, he goes on to, to elaborate a lot more on that. Like CD8 was what I was obviously the point, not CD, CD4. And what's interesting is that is the interesting crossover, which we will probably touch on in, in some point in, in the HIV interesting crossover. Apparently, there was some HIV super virus that's now circulating, and there's, there's something going on around that, very much so. But this is an obvious connection, right? We, we, it, and what he's talking about is verifiable. So this is removing these things. And this is exactly the point about what we saw in from the Dr. Bowers and the different clips we played about telling you this thing is removing your immunity, not just in general to COVID-19, but your antibody specifically neutralizing in regard to COVID-19 and in regard to your, I mean, seemingly everything. This is what we're talking about in regard to the dysregulation of your immune system. Like this is hurting you in a lot of other ways. And I think this is why we're seeing what we're seeing. 290 fully vaccinated Massachusetts residents died of COVID over one week. And there's also a bunch of interesting stories they point out in here. The CDC is finally recognizing natural immunity, they say. Legislators should follow suit. But problem is, this seems to kind of frame it as a way like they just discovered it. As I, I, I will never let this go because of how obvious this is. And I don't understand why other independents haven't picked up on this. There are an endless amount of studies right now from every single outlet they tell you to listen to that all have said almost definitively lasting, durable, robust in every possible way. And we've continued to show you the things uh, that that's, oh, actually, this is what I just mentioned. I'll probably bring this up in a moment, but I was gonna, I thought that was the other one, the science study that shows you the ultra potent antibodies. The bottom line is I've shown you many times. It's already shown to make antibodies for other variants of concern, Delta, Omicron, it's all there. And so now they're finally realizing it. I don't, this is garbage to me, not from Defender, but from CDC, just utterly towing, they're just jumping, oh, oh yeah, now we see it. You mean the thing you've always known was there? The thing that was literally acknowledged by even the NIH right in the damn beginning? 
or at least of 2021. I mean, look, it's January 26, 2021. This is the NIH website. Lasting immunity found after recovery. Really? But Fauci's confused? I mean, this is how stupid it all is. Obviously, they should follow suit, but the point is that's going to then be used on the immunity passports. That is the last thing we should want. Maybe that was always the point, or maybe that was a last-ditch effort is why, maybe why they kept it as, we don't know for sure. There's a lot of good, interesting things in here. One, so long, Omicron. White House eyes the next phase of the pandemic, right? This is where we've already told you this was going. White House is preparing to move on from Omicron? You mean the thing that you keep screaming we're all in danger from? Emboldened by failing, falling case counts, the Biden administration is plotting a new phase of the pandemic aimed at containing the coronavirus and conditioning Americans to live with it. Gee, it's almost like you've heard this somewhere before. The Great Barrington Declaration was literally saying the same thing, except their difference is, well, we've got this dangerous injection in the midst too, so now you're safe. Now you're safe. Even though that's literally what's keeping this whole thing going. Like, that's dragging this along. And all they can say is, well, because now we admit natural immunity, and now we admit this thing's not dangerous, and all of that combined is why we're safe. No. You see, we would have been long gone if the injection hadn't been added to the mix. They're grasping on to the parts that are keeping this alive by, you know, holding on to the Omicron not being dangerous, holding on to the natural immunity and being dragged into some level of not being dangerous and pretending that's the injection doing all of it. Like, it's really embarrassing. Biden and his top health officials have already begun hinting at an impending new normal. You mean that total conspiracy theory idea? In, in a consensus messaging shift meant to get people comfortable with the scenario where the virus remains widespread, yet at more manageable levels. I thought that's exactly what the injection was supposed to stop. So the injection is why we're safe, yet it didn't do even remotely what you promised in the beginning, that it would remove this, right? The idea, if the injection is keeping this alive and around forever or with the injection, it's still the case, then why was the Great Barrington Declaration idea so ridiculous? You see, none of this makes any sense if you actually think about any of their arguments. Right now, they're just going, okay, we're here now. This is the fortified retreat. Let's just live with it. German Vaccine Commission to recommend fourth shot, though, right? Because nobody seems to know where we're actually at just yet. Should we stop? Are we, are we all agreed we're rolling it back or not? The point is, I highly recommend you read this article we went over entirely by Kit Knightley from Off Guardian. What they really mean by living with COVID. Why are the media dialing back the COVID hysteria? Is it because the pandemic is really over or is it an important part of the gaslighting process? Spoiler alert, that's the latter, right? They're just making you think this is where we're ending up, guys. This is a manipulation. That's why the absurd line towers like Barry Weiss are going, I'm over this pandemic. That, that lady is a career line tower. That's what she is. I guess that's not even the right way to call it that because technically it's toe the line. Like when you're in a race, it's T O E, but regardless, the point is she has, her career is as invested as doing that. So I don't buy it when she, they, somebody like her rolls it out and it's basically saying it's okay now for us to pretend like this is over. Right. That's what that is. Like when we scream the mask cloth or anything doesn't work. And suddenly literally when and Gottlieb state it on the shows and that's it. Now the science agrees that masks, cloth masks don't work. How ignorant do we have to be to not see that? Where was the new report they all cited? Where's the new evidence that made them change their minds? Oh, that's not what happened. When and Gottlieb were saying they never worked. So then where were the signs? Then what was Fauci confused about? Or was he lying, right? It's very obvious. But good news. 12 countries roll back COVID restrictions. Israel scraps the green pass. That's weird. Why do they all call it the green pass? Well, you know why. 
Sweden, Switzerland joined Denmark, Norway, Finland, Ireland, Netherlands, Italy, Lithuania, France, and the UK in announcing they will lift the restrictions. Yeah, because it's not totally disjointed in a completely different direction than 30 seconds ago. I mean, just glancing, Ireland, Denmark, I mean, Lithuania, these places were aggressively going the other direction. And now we're rolling it back. Well, gee, I wonder why that would be. How it gets to the point well, where... Well, th things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you stop, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book, if you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called Ordinary Men by Robert Browning. It's very simple, guys, and this is not a secret. Now, you saw this by, this is the Netherlands, right? This was on January, or excuse me, uh, uh, December 30th, 2021, right? This is less than two months ago. Netherlands announces plan to give people up to six doses of COVID vaccine. That's not stopping, right? What they're rolling back is the control around your lives that are seemingly disconnected or connected to nothing disconnected from the actual idea right so the lockdowns are meant to be the whole point well but this is still going so how does that even make sense it makes sense when you realize that this is just an agenda and they're rolling it back because they're not winning just like he said now the question is whether we're going to let them push again in a week in a month in a year tomorrow here is what they want you to think now here's the craziest part about this this cover which is not a joke i thought that was fake i thought somebody actually faked that this is a Newsweek cover that says the forever virus. The craziest part to me is I'll go through this with you. As far as I can tell, this is not meant to be sarcastic. This is not meant to even be a critique. This is literally meant to be like just a general, look, we've gotten the, when's the next one? And that doesn't scare them. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, omicron, and a question mark with all these different stickers. I mean, for crying out loud, this was something we made fun of. Here is an actual picture of something we used for an for, for a show. This wasn't, this isn't, uh, I don't know who actually did. I just, all I can see is gal. Somebody sent this to me. This is, this is the, the joke, right? And then we're fake news for saying this is where it would go. And now this is literally without any hint of irony, what they're actually showing you at an agenda. Where is this going? And you'll see what I mean. When you read this, they're not questioning that this is dangerous or we shouldn't give me boosters. They're just floating this as normal. Because they want you to think it's normal, except the idea of the forever virus, which is the only thing they're allowed to hint at. Like, we shouldn't let this keep. But the booster idea is totally acceptable now to these people. This was an absolute ridiculous fake news idea when we first said this is where it would go. And here we are. It's crazy to me. 
He says, it is possible, but far from certain, that the Omicron onslaught marks the beginning of the end for pandemic. Well, also, wasn't that also fake news when Omicron first started and we said, look at Botswana, look at South Africa, look at all the data we have. It's very obviously not dangerous. And that's what even the scientists on the ground said. And then all they did was freak out about Omicron and everybody screamed, we're all in danger. And everybody in the media hyperventilated and screamed, we're all going to die. And they began an initiation to make a vaccine right for Omicron because it was so serious. Well, it's obvious that's not true. We obviously can see that. And now they're going, well, now that we can look back and see that it might not. This is obvious. It's only not obvious to people that choose to see it the way they want you to see it. Sort of like the data on Scotland and the UK where they go, no, 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 don't look at the obvious reality of it. Let me explain to you how you should see this. If you're like that, then you are misled. Think for yourself. Question what I'm saying, you sure as hell do, so question what they're saying too. It's kind of simple, isn't it? But now there's now we can think like that, right? Now the onslaught, which by the way, even as they tell you it's not dangerous, note the terminology, and it'll become more clear in a second. The onslaught, which what is that? What's the exact definition? A fierce and destructive attack. <laughs> so the fierce and destructive attack of the thing that's not dangerous marks the end of the pandemic. Yeah, that's what they're actually saying. Great journalism. Either know your words or don't. The optimistic scenario goes something like this. Once Omicron is through ravaging the world, enough people will have acquired natural immunity that, together with those who have been vaccinated, the virus is suppressed to more or less permanently low levels in the population. So this is them bastardizing the idea of what actual honest scientists were saying, Great Barrington Declaration and so on, and just shoehorning in the injection like that makes any difference. In fact, it ruins the entire thing. That's what we've seen from the beginning. It creates the variants, it adds the problems, it increases their risk everywhere that's coming out now, and they're trying to run from it. The reality is that the natural immunity always was something we should have allowed, not allowed, just accepted and acknowledged, but they created a situation where the injection, in fact, removed that what they were supposed to be gaining from that. And I don't know whether that was part of the plan or somebody made a mistake, that it was made incorrectly, or however you want to look at this. But the obvious reality is for multiple levels that this has hurt those people, right? It has actively stopped that from happening. Now it goes on to say, one thing is reasonably certain. SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is not going away. Now it's funny how that's certain to them now, right? If we would have said that before, it was fake news and you're making people vaccine hesitant. Scientists are in near universal agreement that the virus will be a fixture for generations to come. Well, right this moment, that is not what the Fox News, CNNs, everyone else on the, on the, where most of the Americans get their news from, the ones that watch mainstream, which is not the majority, where the most of them get their news from, from the channels that talk at them. They tell them, I'll just get your vaccine. You'll go back to normal. That's still their talking point right now. So how is that the case if they're then in universal agreement that that's never going to happen? You see, because they're trying to keep those people on the hook. They're desperate to get that guy watching on his couch to get the next injection. So this part of it only gets floated to those that are reading, which they see as somebody a love a, 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 knock, a notch ahead of them. I'm not making this up, guys. The people that read this stuff, they see as a different category. They, they aim to get the one shot to go back to normal nonsense at the lowest common denominator. They don't think you're very smart. They're wrong about that. This whole thing has proven that to me and everybody else, I hope. It goes on to say, will it pester us like influenza, requiring yearly shots and constant vigilance for the next pandemic? Obviously, that's what they're hoping for, what they've banked on, what they actually framed this as in the beginning and then tucked it away quietly because we were going, see, see, and they ran from it. Now it's happening just like we told you. 
Scientists are, I mean, for crying out loud, ask this question, look at the picture. Because it's quite obvious it's going to be another one as they make the Omicron injection for something that's not dangerous. Scientists are calling on the Biden administration. Which ones? Doesn't matter. The two over there in your corner, except all, there's a hundred thousand of them saying we're all being lied to, right? Scientists, as a collective, they say, are calling on Biden administration to take steps to cope with the long-term implications of living with SARS-CoV-2. Now, that is such an obviously couched, I mean, look. I would be surprised if there's any scientist anywhere who's actually going, government, start taking steps to cope with this always being here. That doesn't even make sense with what they're even arguing right now. What this is, is the media framing this as a way to justify what will be Biden's actions, which will be more money out of your pocket to create the always situation, the forever virus, the situation where we're creating the long-term situation infrastructure for what this will be. Whether that's because of COVID tomorrow or because of climate change, doesn't matter. It's about creating the infrastructure, which is living with COVID. Passports, verification, testing. It's all going to be the creation, guys. And that's what that is. So is it scientists or is it media? Or is it the government through the Newsweek article telling you we're going to need to take more money to create that infrastructure? The pandemic isn't over yet. With billions of people left to infect, Omicron still has plenty of maneuvering room for mischief. Seriously? So we're admitting natural immunity, but we're going to pretend that literally anybody without an injection is immediately susceptible. They're ridiculous, guys. Utterly ridiculous. Their own articles can't even get through the weeds of their lies. They they contradict themselves. The most troubling fact about the present moment is the speed and magnitude of the Omicron outbreak, which stands to inflict great deal of more suffering and death. Are you kidding me? So the article begins by arguing that Omicron is not that bad. That's why it might be the right thing to spread and stop the whole thing. But then you start the next part of it where you want to scare us back into thinking we need shots where you go, but, but, but it may cause a great deal of suffering and harm and speed and magnitude. I just, I can't even get past how we're, who falls for this? How can it be simultaneously not dangerous enough to do what you just discussed, but then it's going to cause, because they just argue that anybody anywhere getting sick with this could end up in this great harm and The data does not back that up. Not only does it not back up that this thing, if you believe that's even what's happening, is going to cause a great deal of harm and suffering. It's simply not happening. The deaths and and hospitalizations are bottoming out in regard to what they claim was happening before. But on top of that, in general, this was never that dangerous. And that is the big thing to wrap your mind around. If it was even really happening. Look at Denny Rancourt, PhD, and his very clear mathematical breakdown for why this could not even have been there. People don't want to accept that. You see, this is where we just get just a little too far ahead of what's being accepted. And now the quasi-independents don't point at us anymore because we're, uh-oh, we, we conspiracy. Except now they're stepping where we were on four months ago, six months ago. Because we're not afraid to be called conspiracy theorists. Because we're going to jump into the truth for you. Over 90% of, and perhaps even as high as 95% of people, they say, who are infected will have no symptoms. Many may never even have the, know they even have the virus. And it says the fatality rate based on the reports from those countries is probably 90 to 96% lower for Omicron than Delta. So Delta, less than one in a million chance of dying. Delta, less than flu for the vast majority of people. Delta, you're most likely not at risk. Now, minus 96%. That's where you are right now, if it's even happening like that. And yet... Let's dance back to all of this time ago to one paragraph ago where it says the most troubling present danger, an Omicron outbreak and inflict great suffering and death. Right. 
And in the very next paragraph, they go, totally not dangerous. Might not even not have symptoms. You might not even know you have it. This is mainstream journalism. <laughs> then, then cover the graphene hydroxide that I've literally done two shows. I'm on. Come on, guys. People like this are the problem, guys. If you're over here yelling about one thing while we're talking about something important, you're lost. Whether or not that one thing is the important part of the topic. Or in general, important, I mean. That's ridiculous, guys. You are being manipulated. If you can't recognize that we've already talked about different things, this is the problem, guys. These kind of things are monumentally important. And the problem is that if people don't do exactly what these kind of people want you to do all the time with every single breath you have, then you're not seeing it. It's sort of like the planes, no planes, Pentagon discussion with the pen. Like the point is, none of you actually know for sure. The problem is that you fight each other because you all demanded and decided that you have the answer. And that means you're being misled. It's so frustrating. Unvaccinated people may be as much as 13 times as likely to die as those who are fully vaccinated, they say, according to the CDC. Yep, here's Newsweek and a new article pulling from that old garbage thing that's been debunked already by even people in the mainstream. And even right now in real time, the CDC's already grudgingly admitted the opposite. But here, go ahead and cite it again because that's the talking point that you're still stuck on from a month ago, right? Frustrating. This, guys, is not a joke. This is the future. And even Newsweek is floating that in a non-ironic, not a joke sort of way. That What's next? Probably forever. That's actually what they're telling you. Probably a shot every year like the flu or every three months, which is more likely, which is what they're actually saying. Man, say it's just, it's, I'm sorry to even waste time on this, guys, by somebody in the chat saying I'll be proven wrong, even though I literally actually have the same mindset and this person's too stupid to realize that, right? That's the problem, right? The idea that we've already talked about this and how this topic he's bleeding about is in fact something that I believe is most likely real. And that's why they're coming out with things that are actually completely baseless so that we get lost in those weeds. And then they point at that and debunk that topic. But people like that are too blind to their own topic to see that I've already said these things. You see, this is the problem. Forest from the trees. You're damn right, because that's exactly what you're doing, right? This is the problem, guys. We need to focus on what's in front of us. When we get lost on the topics like the Rogan conversation, we get lost entirely. We can talk about these things. We can discuss them. But if we dive to the point to where we're lost, that's all we're seeing, we lose it all. We lose it all. This is what's happening right now. I hope you guys have seen this, by the way, and if you haven't, the rise of authoritarianism from parasite stress theory to lockstep. This is really important. This, in my opinion, is exactly how they've gotten or at least continued to keep people lost. Scaring people. We've all known this, and I've been talking about this for a long time, about the fear around it all, right? Parasite stress theory are multiple, and you can see them right here by Derek's excellent article. Multiple studies predicted governments become authoritarian in response to pandemics. Pathogens in politics, further evidence that parasites, uh, parasite prevalence predicts authoritarianism. But they know these are here, right? They know these are here. They know that what they know what they're saying. They know what they mean. They mean that they can scare you with the threat of some sort of pathogen and you will fall into line or most people will. 
as it says in this context, parasite is used to refer to any pathogenic organism, including bacteria and viruses. So it's not just one or the other, it's all of it. Now it says, according to the parasite stress hypothesis, authoritarian governments are more likely to emerge in regions characterized by a high prevalence of disease-causing pathogens. That's not by accident, guys. In most situations, when they have this kind of situation, it is created or allowed authoritarian governments. And this is in, it is exacerbated and bolstered by the governments pretending to fight these things. It says the researchers also found that scarcity, excuse me, society tends to promote a collectivist worldview favoring obedience and conformity from the population in response to parasites. I know I pointed this a lot before, but for those that haven't seen it, this is important. Knowing that all they have to do is threaten you with the idea of some kind of health scare. And suddenly you're locked in place or most people are. That's the alarming part. Unfortunately, according to the parasite stress theory, humanity is prone to accepting violent behavior from governments during pandemics. This is history. We need to be, this is the idea of knowing your history and understanding what's happening yet again. As noted in Politics and Pathogens, the threat of exposure to a pathogen need not even be realistic for it to create a desire for conformity and obedience to authority. That's where we are, guys. Great article to read. Plenty more from Derek to follow up on. Now, to finish off, where, of the show, David where this seems to be going. Coming soon, climate lockdowns. Now, we've been talking about this for a while, right? We've been talking about this, where it seems to be going. How ultimately this seems to be something that is about to take over the narrative, right? I, this is what I see the next step as. Now, I don't know for sure whether this is where it's going, right? But I clearly see it being connected. The green passes are, this is like the build back better argument. It's, it's really stupid to pretend that Biden can come out with build back better as his running campaign. And it's and somehow it's not connected to the other 47 members of other governments that have all in different parts of the world used Build Back Better around the Great Reset. I mean, Biden actually pretended like he just made that up. This is how stupid they actually think we are. So when they came out with Green Pass, it was very obviously connected to what this was going to become. Now, the idea, of course, is the people at the World Economic Forum and everything around this push are actively talking about climate change in every possible way. So that's why that was a clear connection. Israel came out with the Green Pass and they argued, no, it's no connection to that. It's like green, go, stop, red, whatever. But then all these other places around the world do the same thing and they didn't have any similar argument. Why do they all use the Green Pass? Because this is a connection. It's always been there. It ties in with how they're going to control the next step with the Great Reset and justifying how we're destroying the planet and yet simultaneously ignoring the idea of masks and gloves and how it's destroying the planet, right? Now, in this video, they have on a climate science. Well, actually, I'll just play this first thing. It's funny how they reference the, uh, the uh, this is up, or was that what it's called? The, the movie that just came out. It was shared with us last week, Don't Look Up, tells the story of two scientists who discover a planet killer comet headed straight for Earth. And despite their protests, society fails to heed their warning with some ignoring or outright challenging expert data. In a recent article for The Guardian, climate scientist Peter Kalmus writes that scientists' feelings in the film mirror the desperation and worry that he many other climate scientists feel every day trying to wake people up to the climate crisis. He joins us now to discuss how the film captures the madness he sees every day. 
Now it's, uh, it doesn't exactly, there's plenty of kind of pushback to a degree, I guess, but in a way it's, it's more so promoting the idea of why we are missing the real threat, right? And I don't, I don't even remotely agree with that, that that's the case. Now, this is in no way, as always, like this is the dumb part about where we are today that I have to counterbalance everything because that'll be mistaken. You don't believe in climate change. The point is in no way is anybody honest suggesting we're not destroying the planet. As I said in my tweet the other day, just look at all the gloves and masks that are continuing to pile up, right? We're obviously destroying this planet, but that does not then inherently mean that we need carbon tax, that the climate climate change is going to destroy the world in 20 years. Wow. Every time they move the goalpost, every time they move the goalpost, the re- it's, it's the population bomb all over again, right? They're scaring you and hiding things from you using these narratives. That does not, the point is that in fact is what is overshadowing the actual damage being done to the planet, you see? That's why I played that clip in the beginning, right? Where the movement is a complete, it's, it's the green movement. It's been completely co-opted and they're using it politically to manipulate you. But that then gets framed as, I don't believe in, I don't believe in this. Well, I don't believe in what you're framing as climate change. I believe that we're destroying the planet and we're doing so in actual dangerous ways from the military, from everything we're doing that we then frame as the, it's ridiculous. This is about using that argument and specifically the false argument is my point, not that destroying the planet kind of idea, but using the idea that we are years away from the entire planet being over and we need to institute climate carbon taxes and, and what the world economic forum is outlining for their plan to stop it all, which guess what? It's the great reset. <laughs> what a coincidence, right? That's what we're talking about here, guys. There's no missing that. So this is actually a pretty well done article, aside from the reality or the point that they continue to kind of frame it as not intentional. Let's put it that way. You'll see what I mean. Now, it's in the past two years have been a checklist for the worst impulses of government and public sentiment. COVID allowed for supposedly temporary measures to morph into two years of emergency restrictions. Now, that's my point right there. Did COVID allow for that? Or was that a willful conscious choice by people in power right i mean come on or or like the lockdown right the lockdown is what caused all this stuff not covid right but that's that's the only thing i think in the way this article frame you'll see what i mean it's actually a pretty good article and it's uh it's written by kirsten tate not familiar but what if covid was only the opening act and another proclaimed crisis is the main event implementing significant but partial restrictions one by one and the name of the com- common good can allow for encompassing government control that results in a relatively little backlash. That's called bo- the slow boil, or boiling frog, the totalitarian tiptoe. Fear over climate change could lead to long-term soft lockdowns. Given the precedent of, immerse, of, of uh, immense growth of government power and significant support for sweeping state actions. Now, what's also, it doesn't seem that they never really come out and say that like their argument is from a standpoint that government can easily abuse this to collect, collect, to collect a lot more power without necessarily saying that the COVID, the climate change lockdown idea is bad or wrong. It's a fine line, but you'll see what I mean. I definitely think this is a dangerous step forward. It is now it goes on to say this isn't a right wing fever dream. Calls for harsh government measures in the name of saving the environment are already in the parlance of influential organizations and figures. Basically, they're already talking about it. In November 2020, the Red Cross proclaimed that climate change is a bigger threat. Let me do this just so I can highlight these things. And this, we, we talked about this when this was stated. They claim, proclaim that climate change is a bigger threat than COVID and should be confronted with the same urgency. That's a very transparent argument, is it not? Right? They're talking about lockdowns. That's exactly what they're talking about. Global warming, bigger crisis than COVID. 
Bill Gates recently demanded dramatic measures to prevent climate change, claiming it will be worse than the pandemic. Right. There's obvious lines here, guys. Despite millions of people having died from COVID, again, I don't even agree with that even remotely. Now, could it be? Sure. I can give you that. But have we proven that? Not even remotely. With a massive false positive test, it's clear, verified to what degree it's false positives you could debate. Or the combination of flu and pneumonia, which is an absolute that they've verified, but to again, what degree? That's a discussion. Or the tests in places where people died and then they die and they get called a COVID death. We obviously this is not accurate, but whatever. Despite what they claim is as people have died from COVID, former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, last year predicted that climate change will dwarf those of the pandemic. Right. So this is the argument that climate change is going to come to an ape, a peak at some point in the very near future that's going to cause all sorts of people to start dying rapidly. Now, that's the, you know, idea of the weather getting crazy, the idea that they're predicting some kind of catastrophic event because of climate change. I do not see, I mean, please go to check out somebody like Tony Heller, who has been absolutely demolishing their completely bogus science from the very beginning. James Corbett does it too. At the very least, if you want to be objective, look at what they're saying, because it's obvious that these people and Paul, even, I mean, look, even the guy in this interview with them ends and Kim asked a good question about saying, well, there's politics are obviously breaking all this. And he definitely thinks that we're in that movie, that we're missing the danger. We're all going to die because we're letting our politics overshadow it. I agree with the politics overshadowing it. I still disagree that he is correct. That's my opinion. But obviously they all see that politicians are using this and lying to you. It says lockdowns, which significantly reduced carbon emissions during 2020, fundamentally false. Even they came out and admitted that it wasn't the truth, right? Even I think it was National Geographic or other places came out and said, no, they came right back. And it wasn't because the lockdowns were over. It, it, it was a temporary dip and it wasn't even important. And they tried to frame it like the biggest thing in the future because they want lockdowns to be framed for carbon emissions. That was an immediate effort in 2020. But it says could be the solution. You see, they're even kind of floating that. After all, the EU's climate service gloated the first COVID lockdown may have saved 800 lives. And it's ridiculous to pretend that the lockdown saved anybody's life, right? At all, even remotely. Every actual study that's been actually fleshed out and peer reviewed and, re and every, even the ones that aren't are pretty clearly showing you how people got wildly destroyed by the lockdown, by their, by their lives, by their jobs, by their health, their mental health everything. Oh yeah, that's right. So going forward, it says, what would climate lockdowns look like? Most likely, cities and states would begin a gradual and discrete ramp up of restrictions. During the early days of the pandemic, millions of Americans work from home. This could become a permanent norm if special carbon taxes are put in place. Understand this is an argument from the left inside the two-party illusion. In a, but in a critique of it, like arguing this is not the this is bad, the government overreach, but at the same time, in a plausible sense from their side of the argument that this is what was probably going to happen. That's why I think this is an alarming picture that is actually exactly what I think was going to come. This is, it, it's, I mean, the carbon tax, the exact idea that we're not doing enough, therefore we're, on, we're put on permanent work from home. Such taxes could be imposed on companies. Limiting driving on air miles and extend to individual employees. Drive to work in a car, you could hit with a tax. Children could be imp impacted by climate lockdowns too. Schools, especially those heavily influenced by teachers unions, could impose permanent online days only. Right? We've already seen all of this rationalized, justified. Delhi, India is already doing that, using a version of this concept to crack down on smog pollution. If it's already happening, 
they're going to point to that and say, there you go. It works. They did it. We're doing it next. It's we're all we're waiting on is the push. At the same time, either through direct government fiat or due to ineffective green energy policies, some areas of the country could regularly experience California-style rolling blackouts. And then they blame that on you. And as fossil fuels and nuclear power go by the wayside, consumers may be prevented from buying new gasoline cars, lawnmowers, or chainsaws. We already see this happening in California. Gavin Newsom arguing that they're going to roll these away, cars and everything. Is that your choice? Like, look, I'm all for going a more healthy direction, as long as it's always your choice. If you want to go buy a gasoline car and go buy gasoline, if it's maybe maybe it's more hard, maybe it's probably more difficult to find tomorrow when less people use them. But as long as there's enough people using them, there'll be people that want to sell it because it'll be profitable. So the point is, it's your choice. If you want to incentivize the better choice, you buy you go free. But to, to legislate it and make it illegal, that is the obvious great reset direction where it's no longer your choice. At the same time, it says either through direct government fiat or due to ineffective policies. We just read that. Uh, Significant measures are already being planned to combat climate change. This is the part we were just saying. California will ban the sale of gasoline cars in 13 years, as will Germany. You don't get to vote on that. Britain plans to do the same in just eight years. Prohibiting internal combustion engines could save the planet, the argument goes. As each negative weather event is blamed on climate change, government will increasingly use its restrictive tools. The idea that cars alone like not the military adventurism that's actually causing the biggest part of the problem is that it, it's all focused on you. The carbon tax will be simply paid by governments or it, c- companies that continue to pollute in the exact same way. It's a cost of doing business, except you won't be able to afford that. So you'll just drive less, right? So is it really helping the planet when the biggest polluters just pay the tax? No, it's about controlling your life. While deaths from natural disasters have fallen by two-thirds over the past five decades, right, as much as they keep hyping up that disasters are worse because climate change, mostly thanks to technological innovations, elites insist that climate change is the biggest threat modern humans have ever faced because of hypothetical models and arguments that continue to not flesh out. Climate lockdowns and other restrictions will be framed as saving the people of the United States and the world from themselves. Sort of like they already continue to claim they did for COVID. They save your life with those lockdowns, despite the exact opposite being verifiable. What goal could be more knowable, they say? Anyone against such measures could be labeled a climate denier who stands against progress. Sound familiar? Or simply a domestic terrorist. I'm actually interested. I'm surprised even the Hill's going there. Defectors likely won't have much choice anyhow. Facial recognition and plate reading software coupled with the impressive scope of drones could lead to severe enforcement. Don't like the restrictions on your gas guzzler? The government could easily track its location and send automatic tickets or worse. I mean, they're getting into the great reset here, guys. This is what it is. And I have to be quite honest. This is part of the reason why I'm uncomfortable. I, I This is exactly what I see. Are they gaslighting us? Like, is this really meant to... I, I'm shocked to see this on mainstream media. And why is... I mean, this, like, a moment ago would have been the craziest fake news and dangerous misinformation, and you would have been censored on every platform everywhere. But now it's okay, apparently. The ability for officials to depend on a significant minority of zealous supporters to enforce measures is invaluable as well. Telling on their neighbors, like we just discussed in the parasite stress theory. How many COVID Karens justify their fanaticism by contrasting themselves with uneducated rural Trump supporters, even though that's an inaccurate representation on either side. But don't expect the new rules to apply to everyone equally. We should know this by now. During the pandemic, elites, elitists, don't wear masks in private. Only their servers and drivers and cleaners do. 
you will be held responsible for your personal carbon footprint enforced by either law or social convention and and probably social credit and your vaccine passport. But climate evangelists such as Jeff Bezos and climate czar Jaron Carey will receive special dispensations uh, on their carbon use. The point is they will be a different lot metric will be applied to them, right? Oh, well, they're doing things to save the planet. So we'll allow them to fly on their special jets, right? Manipulation. The pandemic proved to be the precedent of 21st century governance. The initial lockdowns were a desperate attempt to understand more about the virus and shut it down. I don't agree with that. See, this is my point. If you can get online with everything else you just described and yet somehow fall ridiculously back into they just tried to do what they thought was right, come on. I don't buy it. I don't even buy that they think that's what happened. You know what I mean? That's right. That, that is that's not right. We It's so crazy to not see if you already recognize how it didn't do what they say it did to pretend that they thought it would work. In hindsight, the overreaction will simply provide a backdrop for the next major government overreach. Now, maybe they're kind of making it sound like that was the ploy. I don't know. In COVID, if COVID could kill millions, imagine the powers that governments will assume against a threat that could kill billions. Now, that's, of course, they're framing, right? They're framing it as killing millions. And the idea is they claim the planet could be destroyed. Imagine the kind of power they can amass by claiming that. It's a good point. Political leaders have learned that fear prompts the public to accept dramatic curtails of freedom for vague promises of safety. They must realize the incredible power at their fingertips. You know they do. They're drunk on that power. COVID gave the government mouse a cookie. And power-hungry officials and bureaucrats can utilize the precedence of the past two years to institute a much longer, much more comprehensive lockdown. Of course, you know, you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to ask for a glass of milk. That's the classic story, right? That's what they're referencing right there. The idea here, guys, it's never been more clear as even they hint and point at the parasite stress theory. That's what they're utilizing, guys, and even they see it. And here's what ties it all together. And you knew this was coming. You knew that this was going to be something, and it came from the, exactly the kind of person you might expect that was going to come out and it was going to tie it all together for you. And of course, it's Greta Thunberg. Listen to what she has to say. Today, up to 75% of all emerging diseases come from animals. And as we are cutting down forests and destroying habitats, we are creating the ideal conditions for diseases to spill over from one animal to another and then to us. And and by the way, I, I didn't think of this when I first saw this. That right there is a, is a very clear rationale for self-spreading injections that are framed on the animals. Even though Johns Hopkins has already made a huge argument for why that should be applied to humans during COVID-19. But the original argument was put it on the animals, stop synodic transfer. So that's an interesting other frame right there. But the next part is what's most important. We can no longer separate the health crisis from the ecological crisis and then to us. And we can no longer separate the health crisis from the ecological crisis. And we can no longer separate the health crisis from the ecological crisis. And we cannot separate, separate the ecological crisis from the climate crisis. It's all interlinked in many ways. And during this pandemic, we have seen what we can achieve when we put resources into science. Vaccines were... De By the way, she's obviously reading. Not that that necessarily proves anything, but obviously. ...developed in record time. 
But so far, on average, one in four people in high-income countries have received a coronavirus vaccine, compared with just one in over 500 in low- and middle-income countries. Yeah, which is exactly why they're all doing a hell of a lot better, which I, I can't even imagine why that's not discussed, right? Who cares that they don't even have half the problem Israel does, but make sure we get them those shots because how dare we not give them the... It's all framed on this, this, this idea that we're like somehow doing them wrong by not getting it to them. It's obvious that that's the best thing that's ever happened to them. And the international community, governments, and vaccine developers must step up their game and address the tragedy that is vaccine inequity. Are you? She's calling on vaccine companies to step up like their government. See, they, I, I'm telling you, the framing from the beginning about vaccine companies being philanthropist and altruistic is ridiculous. I mean, childishly ridiculous. But now, but they point to them like they're part of the government. I mean, look, Shaji Javid openly said he's going to listen to them when a doctor told him that was dangerous. I don't know why we can't see through this. They're tell, I said, how many times have we warned this conflation will be made? This was always the agenda or at least one of the primary vehicles used to manipulate people into it. And no, that does not mean we aren't ruining the planet. Just look at all the masks and glove waste. The reality is, guys, this is the connection. It will be pointed to. This is just the beginning. We are going to see this rolled into at least aggressively tried, attempted to get this to roll into using lockdowns for climate change, which will keep the same exact thing going whether or not it's about a virus. And I think we all see this. I mean, it's just very apparent. Green Pass and everything else they've been doing, regardless of whether this goes tomorrow, the next day, sort of how Whitney and I talked about ultimately everything that ended up panning out around the 2020 election and the terrorism, domestic terrorism and the tie to the virus, right? And then three days in, people are like, you guys are wrong. It didn't happen right after you said it. It's not like that. It doesn't happen tomorrow. And it doesn't mean we could, we could, we could be wrong too. The point is that, Mark my words, whether it's tomorrow, a month, a year, two years, this will be rolled forward. Whether it's another virus first or however else, this is going to be picked back up again. That's why we need to stay vigilant and continue to watch what they're doing. It's so very important. Thank you for being here and continuing to keep an open mind and be objective and, you know, recognize when I'm trying to be objective, even when we don't agree on what we're talking about, because that's what intelligent people do. Recognize that we're all trying to get to the, 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 the crux of what's going on as best we can right? And the idea is that we need to continue to not only recognize that there are things that align with what we think is happening, but also stand back and recognize that there's a lot going on in, within that conversation that's intentionally there to derail you, to derail all of us. So that's why I talk about being irritatingly objective. It could never been more important. And I know you all recognize that. So thank you for being here today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Okay. Gonna need to see your proof of vaccination. Oh, you now we got the new mandate going on. Right. Sorry, I have the um the app. Oh, Moderna, huh? Heard that one knocks you on your ass. I got the Pfizer. Oh, you're a Pfizer guy. I I hear Moderna's better, but not gonna judge. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the new normal. Have a good one. Have a good one. A vaccine passport. Yeah, but I need proof of at least ten booster shots. Nine, ten, eleven. Where's the... Okay, AIDS vaccine passport. I'm going to need to see an allergy test. Lyme disease. Chicken pox. H1N1. Rabies tag. H1N2. All right, proof of the herpes vaccine. 
And what about the herpes booster? I literally got it like 10 minutes ago. Let's see it. All right, hand, foot, and mouth disease. H1N5, prostate exam. Whooping cough. I'm gonna need your Netflix password. HPV. I actually have HPV. I need proof to show solidarity to the HPV community. I'm gonna need to see your blockbuster card. Tetanus. Negative test for the Black Plague. Tetanus booster? I don't have it. I'll give it to you now. Proof of political party. Proof of diversity. Are you serious? We already have two white guys in there, okay? That's our limit. Okay, uh, I'm Jewish. What do you think this is, 2021? You're gonna have to be way more oppressed than that to get in here. You got like a 23andMe test results? Yes, yes. 50% Ashkenazi Jew. 0.000027 Native American. Why didn't you just tell me that? You got an anti-racist card? All right, now I just got to check your white guilt score. 9.7, wow, not bad, man. Just got to scan you for male toxicity. Okay, quick set of questions. Would you have sex with a trans woman? Yes. Can men have babies? Yes. Do all lives matter? Yeah, no. Quote from Broad City to prove you can hang with gay people. Um, yes, queen. I'm sorry? Yes. Yeah, that's better. How many statues have you toppled this month? Nine. You support the police? No. Are all Trump supporters racist? Yes. How many abortions have you paid for? Five. I'm gonna need to see your punch card. All right, four more and your tenth one's free. How many people have you canceled this month? 18, 19, including my grandmother. Racist? No, she still likes Louis C.K. Even worse. Ever been me too? No. Me three? No. Me four? No. Me seven? Um, me sixty-nine? Mm. I need proof of a black friend. Okay, how many pronouns are there? 92,627. All right, and finally, I need you to recite the full sexuality acronym. Uh, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-O-N-M-P-Z backslash question mark, greater than sign, less than sign, squiggly mark, a peace sign, at sign, hammer and sickle, poop emoji, and symbol for titanium. All right, just put your mask on and show them your receipt. You know, I actually lost the receipt, so... How are we supposed to give you your laundry if you don't have the receipt? 